Welcome to Pivot to First. I'm Mike Seidel, and every day as CTO here at Pivot CX, I get to work with some of the most brilliant people in the industry with one goal, turning hiring into a competitive advantage. Today, I'm joined by John Dwaskin, business coach, mentor, author, speaker, and uh, podcast host. Uh, I met John, uh, what was it, about a year ago, John, uh, on your podcast, Think Business? Was it that long ago? I think it may yeah, have been. Seems like not that long ago, but maybe, I don't know, time is slow and fast at the same time <laughs> lately. Oh, it, it does fly for sure. So I'm really, really excited to have you here today. Um, and, and just for the audience, you can find out more about John at johndwaskin.com. That's spelled J-O-N-D-W-O-S-K-I-N.com. So John, um, before we really get rolling here, tell us a little bit about Think Business and the Think Big movement. Yeah. So I'm a business coach and, you know, what I do my best to do is provide content uh, on a daily basis. And one of the ways I do that is through a podcast and Think Business is my podcast that I do. Um, it's a seven day a week podcast, five days a week. It's live. And I interview great people like you, Mike, you know, to, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a business coach. I work with successful people and I get them unstuck. And so a great tool for me to put out content on a consistent basis to help clients and the people who utilize and look to me as a resource, get them unstuck, is to bring guests on all over the country who are best of class, who can share not only what they do, but how they get their people unstuck. Because I work with solopreneurs to Fortune 100 companies, everything in between from salesperson to C-level exec. And so any tool that I can give them through a podcast, which mine is Think Business Live with John Dwoskin is, is a great tool. And great things come from it because I meet guys like you. And then my book is, which can be downloaded for free at johndwoskin.com. Uh, my book is a parable about somebody who is successful in business and stuck and the journey that he goes through to get unstuck and really, you know, live a fulfilled life. So, you know, that kind of leads to you, you get to work with a lot of different businesses. And this is why I was really excited about having you join me on, on uh, Pivot to First. And and that is this, um, you know, how how much is the current talent climate out there, the workforce situation affecting companies that are coming through uh, to you as a business coach and going, hey, hey, we're, we're stuck. Help me. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the the. The generations, the millennial and the Gen Z generations, um, what they want from a company, there's many things, but one of the things they want is training, right? They want mentorship. They want training. And and that is spilling over into um, old, older generations wanting more as well. And so where companies um, more so are reaching out to me with this is from a retention standpoint. Because retention is what's, what it's all about. If you can get somebody great, then you have to retain them, which means you need great managers, right? So, so many times companies um, promoted somebody to manager because they were good at their job, but they don't know how to manage people. And then they don't train that manager how to manage people. So I find myself in these companies managing a lot of managers to teach them how to actually manage people. And then you have, you know, the sales team that, don't necessarily know how to ask or sell to the extent that they can to their highest potential. So I find myself, you know, working with a lot of salespeople. So now it's managers and salespeople. And then the leadership team, the C-level team, they need help understanding what everybody's really thinking, what they need and where the gaps are. And, and then using that 
and I work with them on kind of setting the vision and how they effectively communicate with all these different generations a little bit differently because they all need, they all have different ways. You need to talk to them all a little bit differently. You need to listen to what they're saying a little bit differently and you need to provide them different types of coaching and training. I think what we'll see is in hindsight, Mike, as we look even two years from now or three years from now, is that the companies that invested in their people were the ones that had the best retention and the best results, even if the retention was only three, four years, because people are skipping around a lot of jobs right now. You almost have to go in thinking, you know what? This role, this person is amazing, but because of where they are in their life, they may only be here three years, but I'm gonna invest in them and then maybe wherever they end up going, they'll actually end up being a client. So I think the whole shift has to change. There's a, there's a lot of change that that is being driven by by this, and and you bring up retention, and you bring bring that bring up retention. It is the most important thing uh, that we see out yeah. there right now when it comes to, you know, how do I keep great people in my company? How do I how do I solve the hiring problem? The answer is uh, cut turnover. And people really right. struggle with that idea. And I go, okay, cut tr- turnover. That's easy to say. I think what a lot of people forget is you 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 have turnover for a reason usually. And and sometimes it's that yeah. you don't understand the reality that people are only going to be here for three years. But also uh, a lot of turnover is caused, uh, frankly, by uh, being tone deaf to your employees and not not taking care of them. Correct. Correct. Right. It's that, you know, I really do believe this. People leave managers, not companies. And so I just I was just talking to a client early this morning about a situation where somebody that I coach in the company, somebody had said something to them. The details don't really matter, but they missed the manager, missed the mark of what was of what the person who was com, complaining about something. It sounded to the manager that the the I don't even complaint slash feedback was very minimal, but if you really dive in, it was really really big, and it was the it was the the first whisper or the first couple whisper signs of somebody that you could forecast probably out that will leave in four to six months if it's not addressed and 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 managed and and um, and 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 and, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, and implemented. Right and executed and trained and communicated about the right way. So I think, and, and when you're not trained as a manager to listen like that, then you know people leave it. I don't know why. Well, to guys like me and you, we can hear things that other people can't hear, and we can see things what they can't see, and then we bring it to the surface, and then we give them tools to to wake them up, right? Raise their awareness. And then provide them tools, even more tools to actually what to do, what to say, and how to implement and execute. Yeah. John, and, and listening is a skill. It's it's hard. It really is. Um, it's it's hard to learn. What did you say? Hard to do. I'm just kidding. That was a, that was a listening joke. I said, what did you say? <laughs> so, where do you think most businesses go wrong when it comes to hiring? They they don't have an ongoing recruiting plan. Right. They they just kind of um, they just kind of wing it. Right. They 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 hire when somebody quits and they're not looking. You know, a lot of times I think companies look at succession planning mm-hmm. and they say, um, all right, well, succession planning. OK, if the CEO leaves, what are we going to do? 
when succession planning is for an entire organizational chart and looking and saying, okay, as this person moves, you know, a year from now or six months from now, what do we got to do? Well, we got to either hire and promote and train and grow from within, or we need to recruit. And if I know if I'm doing proper succession planning, then I know I need to, it's going to take me three to 12 months, maybe even longer to find the great candidate. You can't just look at 10 resumes and then, and then, you know, get somebody you think is going to be okay. You cannot compromise yourself. You only can hire great. And if that means having to go through a thousand extra resumes and do 20 extra phone interviews and 10 extra face-to-face interviews, so be it. But the cost of hiring somebody, the wrong person is exorbitant. Oh, it is. And so many levels. Yeah. It, it absolutely is. I mean, it, it's so, and it's so easy to do. I think you brought up something yeah. really interesting though in this, and that's, that's the whole idea of succession planning is for more than just the CEO. You know, when you go back to that first question I asked you about the current workforce situation and turn, right. we started talking about turnover, a lot of the turnover that you see out there, um, sure, maybe the COVID post COVID climate sped it up a little bit, but a lot of that was already going to happen because a lot of companies had stopped training their people. They had stopped thinking about, hey, I'm hiring somebody at an entry level position. And in a few years or maybe less time than that, maybe inside of a year, this person has to move up and then they have to move up again. And if we're right. not giving that to people, they will move up and they will move up across the street. Correct. Correct. And I think or they'll start their own company. And I think to, to your point, Mike, it's almost like you almost have to look for new ways to promote people to different positions. You know, it's like the old model, it just doesn't work anymore. It's like, OK, you're, you're in this model and then you get promoted to vice president and then you get promoted to vice president manager. And then you're the it's like, all right, well, what about the interim uh, positions? Right. Or the the nuance interims where people can get maybe a smidge different title but more responsibilities, right? So it's 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 very, um, the model needs to change because the millennial and the Gen Zs, and this isn't a knock against them, they want to experience growth. They want to be on an accelerated path of growth and mentorship. And so if they know that they're, instead of four steps to be the CEO or four steps to be the VP of this, there's maybe 12 steps and, and, and they can start to at least experience some of this. Well, and I, I like, I like how your hand's going sideways here because a lot of the, these steps. You like are, my visuals? Well, no, the visual family. here is great. I talk. Those 12 <laughs> steps, you know, we, we always think of successions in terms of vertical steps where we're going up a ladder, right? But a lot of these steps that we need to offer our people, they're not vertical, they're horizontal steps. They're things where I'm going to have you move over to a department adjacent, or I'm going to have you move over to a job adjacent to yours and learn a new skill set so that you're Correct. prepared to lead a team that has all these skills within it. Correct. Correct. And, and I think, you know, people, companies need to start figuring out and working with guys like you and me to brainstorm and, 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 and figuring out what does retention really look like? How can I get these people to stay with the company? And 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 most people, I like what you said. They're tone deaf to what is really happening. Everybody's moving so fast. There's got to be, you know, there's got to be recalibration time kind of spent within companies 
right? It's, it's just otherwise, yeah, it does it. You're gonna get you're gonna get such high turnover if you don't teach people how to recalibrate from one thing to the next to the next to the next. Absolutely, it, it makes a huge difference to take time. Uh, you know, one of the one of the best things that I ever did in, in this company at Pivot CX is is I have a partner here, and he and I every week will take a couple hours Sunday evening and go through things that have nothing to do with day-to-day -day operations, everything to do with just kind of going, okay, what do we as a business really need to address? And a lot of times the discussions we have are around exactly this kind of thing where we're going, you know, I've got, we've got this person that, that seems like she's not, not happy. What do we do to really address that? How do we help her? Uh, right. Because she's doing a great job for us. We don't want to lose her. And, and I think those conversations don't happen enough. I think most, most of us no. just get caught up day to day and, and, you know, we think because things are handled, they're always going to be handled. And, and right. uh, business has a way of making that not happen. But I, I, you said you meet how often on this? We do that. We do at least one a week, if not two. But, but we do. Right. We have a standing once a week and it really helps. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think that is a, that should be a standard practice across, you know, all organization and organizations and companies looking at the pipeline of people. Right. We look at a pipeline of business, you know, this deal is going to close. This deal is here. This deal. Right. We look at a pipeline of business, but too, so many companies don't look at a pipeline of their people. When I was managing um, when I was in the commercial real estate business and I was managing 45 people, plus all the people that were in the office, you know, the 20 people or so, uh, give or take, who worked for the 45 people or the office staff, et cetera. I, every single day I was looking at that list and I was saying, okay, are there, are there any um, people on this list that are at risk? People that I don't want to leave that may leave, you know? And then once a week I was meeting with, um, with my boss going over the list and saying, Hey, there's, here's an obstacle with these two people. And then we would brainstorm on kind of what to do. But it is a living, in my opinion, based on what you just said, and I agree, it's a living document that at minimum you got to do what you're doing. And I would say 99% of companies do not do that, right? What's well, the business plan for each person, no differently than every deal in a pipeline, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, John, you're bringing yeah. something, something that, that's really, really kind of near and dear to me. And that's, I, I think in recruiting, uh, recruiting hasn't gotten the same attention that sales get. Uh, in a long time, most CEOs really have been okay with pushing recruitment and, and people and talent right. strategy. They're like, okay, HR can handle that. And within HR, they got this recruiting person that's really doing all that work, right? right. And um, they're, they're, you know, find, waking up and finding out, hey, um, I've got this big factory over here that's running uh, two shifts a day instead of three. So, uh, you know, we, we built this thing around planning on having three shifts a day running through here and, and, and can overflow to four if we have to. And we're running two. And it's because one reason, one reason only, I can't get enough people. We see that in healthcare Correct. with nursing homes where where all over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and the, the issue really is, hey, for the last 20 years, the only person that's looked at recruitment have been people in HR. And then maybe we push this down to general managers at facilities and everybody out in the field is just doing their own thing. And so yeah. there's no, there's no economy of scale, you know, okay, great. I got 300 locations. We got 300 different people buying ads on 300 different job boards and, and it's just pandemonium. And, and a yeah. lot of this comes down to how involved do you think that CEOs should be 
in people strategy, in recruitment and, and going, uh, you know, how much, how much attention should a CEO be giving recruitment right now? Well, in, I, not to give my book a selfish plug, but in my book, The Think Big Movement, that can be downloaded for free on johnswaskin.com. Um, one of the things I talk about, and I reference it in the book, is ABR, which is always be recre- recruiting. To me, recruiting is something that you, you should be recruiting every day. You know, these companies that say, well, I need you to recruit. It's usually, and this is a question for you, how many people call you in a panic versus, you know, you know, preventatively? John, I get two kinds of customers at Pivot CX. I get customers that come to us in a panic because they are 30% down on manpower and, and need help now. Right. And my other customers are the ones that don't have a problem because they are addressing it before it happens two years before yeah. it happens. You know, they're right. the ones that- going for the latest, yeah. greatest tech. And so I have this really fun mix of, of leaders and laggards and very little in between. You should raise the price for the people who are who come to the table. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm calf joking. But um, but but every company, I think, should always be you should always be recruiting. Yeah. I mean, to me, you know, companies should have you on retainer 24, 7, 365, because you always want to be looking and say, you know, hey, we don't need any positions now. But in a year, we're going to need this and this. And so start recruiting for us, let people know we're not looking because to get that free agent or experienced person is going to take you a good year to find the right person. John, I'll, I'll share, I'll share, a, uh, this might be a, either a really funny or a really sad story with you. Okay. I'm not sure which one okay. it'll be. It just depends, <laughs> I think, on how you look at it. But um, right. so, so we had a uh, customer come to us that um, their big problem was they were, were down uh, literally... 30% on manpower and, and urgently wanted to help fix this and their strategy. And, and they, they sell to, uh, uh, they're not sell to, but they recruit from a pool of people that there's only so many people in the U S that hold a certain certification that they have to have. So let's say that number, they had a half million people in the United States that had this certification. They came to us and their whole strategy when they had to recruit was to go pay a job board to get somebody to apply for a job. And what made it really sad was they had a database that had 430,000 people already mm. in it. So they already knew everybody that they could hire. They already had them in a database and their strategy for yeah. recruiting was to pay Indeed and pay monster.com to get people to apply for the job again, even though all these people had applied with this company over the past five years. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I, it's just crazy. Yeah. It's like, okay, so you crazy. know what? You guys want to, you guys want to spend uh, what, uh, you know, 40, 50 bucks a job, at, an, a successful application. You want to pay for that advertising or how about send an email and a text message to everybody that's already in your da- database and, and right. save the money. I mean, it was just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, because I think sometimes people miss the obvious, right? They, they, they miss the obvious. And so, um, Yeah. But I think just getting back, I think recruiting is it's critical. It's the key thing that everybody needs to do. You know, you got sales, you got marketing, you got recruiting. Yeah, I, I, I can't agree. I can't agree with you more about always be recruiting. It is it is, I think, yeah. probably when I look at, at clients that come to us that are, are not the leaders, the ones that come to us in bad shape. 
nine out of 10 times, the problem is that they have an on and off switch with their recruiting. And most of the time it's on off. Yeah. Yeah. It should always be on. And I think, you know what I see, uh, Mike, I, I think sometimes people look at it as, as an expense when it's really an investment. And I think that's the mind shift, right? It's like you either have like a closed mindset, excuse me, a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And with recruiting, if you're if you're stuck in expense mode versus investment, what I always do is I talk to clients. Well, if you're looking at it as an expense, so you're gonna you're gonna take this person over here whose time is best spent doing X, Y, and Z, quantifying their time where they could be making the company this much, and you're gonna put them on Indeed and and doing you know all of this type of stuff, and you know all of a sudden, so now you've spent what. Uh, 50 to 100 hours of people's time to interview and to this, what does that cost? And then you have everybody in a boardroom talk. That's a very expensive. So you're spending the money. It's just invisible money, right? Where people could be more productive if you just outsourced it and did what you need to do. It's the same thing like with business coaching, right? People bring me in to see what they can't and to hear what they're missing. It's the same thing with you. Same thing with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. well, I feel like I'm a walking advertisement for you, but I believe, but I believe everything that I'm saying. And I, I really do believe this. It is such an important element of, of business today more than ever. And for the next decade minimum, because it's only going to get harder and harder. You know, studies, um, uh, studies are showing that by the year 2030, 85% of the jobs that exist don't exist today, which means there are going to be new roles there's going to be so many new types of companies and businesses. You know, if you're not ahead of real time as it comes to how to recruit for these types of roles and what to look for, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, I think there's a really basic thing about about your the rule always be recruiting. The other thing is you cannot upgrade your team if you don't find people that upgrade it. And the only way you're going to do yeah. that is to always be looking. And and so many, so many business leaders forget how important it is to, to always be finding these great people that you can add to your team that, that give you capacity to do more and more and more, not just more of the same. So, uh, yeah. So John, we're kind of coming to the end of our time here. I do have a couple of questions yeah. I ask all, all my guests. They're pretty easy. Yeah. Um, I'll start with the easiest one of them all. Other than your all own right. book, other than your own book, what's your favorite book? So, you know, I, I love that question. And I, I have so many. Uh, one of the things that comes to mind, one of my all-time favorite books, I'm going to name two. Um, one is The Four Agreements, uh, because I think in a time where um, people have a lot of um, negative self-talk and there's a lot of negativity in the world right now, uh, it's a book that I find, I've read it six or seven times, always gets me grounded. And it's called The Four Agreements, and it's great. The other book, which is one of my favorites that comes to mind, is called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And it's a book about basically defining resistance and that we resist what we need to do most. And it kind of gets into the psychology and the art and science of that. And I think it's uh, it's a great book because I think sometimes people are so all over the place right now. You know, as a coach, I do a, I do one of my signature keynotes that I do all over the country uh, is about time management. Right. And creating routines and time management. And people are what I find is people are so scattered. I've done five of them in the last couple of weeks. They're so all over the place with the news and post COVID and this and more fears than they ever had before that they when they get a minute to breathe, sometimes they resist what they need to do most. And this book, I think, is just an absolute game changer. So the war of art and the four agreements. 
Okay. Favorite movie? Um, you know, I, um, I like right, right now I love comedies, you know, I mean, I could tell you Star Wars is one of my all time favorite movies. It is. I love it as a kid. I mean, they're the greatest, but I love comedies. I, I and, um, uh, I love the movie, um, just go with it with Adam Sandler. I love the movie spy with Melissa McCarthy. You know, they're not intellectual movies, but I just, I like movies that make me laugh. Okay, final final question for you. Is there anything you want to share yes. with our audience that we didn't talk about? Yeah, uh, I think I think um, business is easy and people make it complicated. And there's so many things today in the world that are distracting so many people. And I think that one of the biggest obstacles I see as a business coach in businesses is that sometimes people are running so fast they need to slow down to speed up and they need to ask for help. I think sometimes so many people, um, you know, there's many generations that are used to going to YouTube and figuring it out and figuring it out. But and and it's 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 a it's an obstacle for people that that gets in their own way. I would say don't be shy to ask for help and be vulnerable. Well, John, thanks so much for joining us today. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much, Mike.